Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Floyd Street's finest. He is Coach Mark Lieberman. I am Jack Grossman. Thanks for tuning in. As always, a part of the Field of 68 Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, do all those things that I always forget to say at the start of the end of the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're watching or listening to us on. Coach, how you been, my man? I've been uh I've been good doing uh Doing a bunch of things. Sorry, I have uh, I've missed your show and uh, missed doing this with you because uh, I really enjoy it. I know you've had some, you know, you, you haven't had any slouches filling in, so that's that's the good part. But uh, it's great to be back with you, Jack. Oh, always, always pleasure is all mine to have you back on the podcast, Coach. With the uh, Houston Oilers pennant behind you, there, that's a new one. I, I, think, uh, I you, think you're back in the bullpen there at ESPN Louisville, right? Yeah, this is I'm in the yes. bullpen. Uh, the fabulous one, Phil Baker's. They've got a lot of stuff through here. You've got Captain America. You've got uh, a Papa Shot, Joe Burrow. Yeah, you got quite a few things back there. I could probably give you a tour uh, on the next episode. So. <laughs> That'd be a fun one. I am. I I, I was at one point the uh, the ESPN Louisville Papa Shot King, but I think I've been bested Is since that right? then. Yes, okay. I was. But I like that, that was uh, that was another light. But anyways, Coach, I made a phenomenal decision on Wednesday. Talk to me. Talk to me. I decided, I, of course, have since gone back and I watched the Louisville-Notre Dame game Thursday morning, but I made the decision to boycott the Louisville game and the Indiana game, you know, the two teams I follow more than anyone. Of course. And I instead have a buddy that's a big Florida fan that I work with down here in Atlanta who sent me a text on, like, Monday, Tuesday saying, hey, tickets for the Alabama-Florida game are 10 bucks. You want to go? And I'm like – really. Hmm. Hell yeah, absolutely. So I was in right. Coleman Coliseum last night for a top 25 matchup. Reminiscing, reminiscing, why can't I say that word? Reminiscing. Reminiscing? On, yes, there we go. That's how I talk. Um, On what it used to be like to have a top 25 matchup in late February. And it was a really fun game. I mean, went to overtime. I thought, you know, Todd Golden probably should have fouled on the last possession that Alabama had when they were down one with – only about a five and a half second differential between shot and game clock that ended up kind of killing them. But two really good teams, high level offensive basketball, a lot of fun. And with the way the Louisville and I don't know what else cares, but the Indiana games with last night, probably a good decision. <laughs> I, I think so. That game instead. But anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject a quick coaching yeah. comment. It's it, it's so important this time of the year that special situations are practiced in February. 
that you are going over it ad nauseum, that your players understand. Do you want a foul? Do you not want a foul? Do we have a foul to give on a sideline out of bounds? If we don't have a timeout, where we want to, you know, where we want to go with the ball, time and score. Are we calling a timeout? So all that stuff that you mentioned, like with Ty Golden not fouling, like those things are so important this time of the year for coaches to just go over and over and over again. Yeah, that was a situation where they were coming out of the timeout after they had gotten the bucket to get back within one. So mm-hmm. it was very – I thought Florida executed what Todd Golden wanted them to do. Like they 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 had some token pressure in the backcourt, and then they kind of came up and tried to trap Sears and, and the ball handlers a couple times at half court to try to surprise them a little bit. But for right. me, I felt like – Alabama's the best offense statistically in college basketball. Maybe don't let the best offense in college basketball dictate how the game ends. <laughs> especially when, you know, they they actually end up getting a stop initially, but then they gave up an offensive rebound and a putback mm-hmm. to make it a three-point game. About five and a half seconds left at that point. It, you're asking for a lot to happen there instead of trying to extend the game, maybe get a missed free throw, take advantage of something yeah. like that. But but uh, I don't know. Would you have fouled in that spot? Um. It's it's it really is. Um, I wouldn't say game to game, but there's philosophies about you know uh, if we're going to make our free throws in those situations. So you know I wasn't too familiar with 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 the ending of that game, um, but I will tell you that those type of things are just are just so big this time of the year. That's just we're we're talking about everything you know, the end of games, because you might not have a timeout. You, you need to have a play. You don't want to go into a game either, Jack, like that you're drawing something up on the board that your guys haven't practiced. Like you want to instill them with confidence, say, look, we've run this in practice over and over again. You guys get it. We understand. Or this is what we're going to do to get to the free throw line. And then a lot of teams don't prepare. Like if you need to miss a free throw, um, one thing I always had our players do is hold up their left hand or their right hand. And we'd know we'd miss to the left or the right and be able to, pin down one guy and have another guy curl around. So just a bunch of little things that you want to do to make sure your guys are prepared for any situation. Where, where did you land on is, I just don't think I've ever asked you this before and, and we're already here. So might as well, where'd you, where'd you stand on fouling up three late? Yeah. Um, in college basketball, uh, I, I just think that you need to, you need to do it. And, um, but that's something, again, I don't want to do it too early. You know, you don't want to do it all of a sudden you're up three with, 12 seconds to go. You don't want to foul at nine. You want to make sure what I like to do is, is go into a soft two, two, one, but we're matched up off it. Let them bring the ball over. As soon as they cross half court, you know, we get an extra two or three seconds. So now we're fouling with about four or five seconds to go. I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah. You definitely don't want to foul too early there. Cause then, you know, you're right. You're doing the other team's job for them. You're extending the game for no reason. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm surprised how many coaches don't extend games. Um, because knocking down free throws, you know, it's it's a huge part of it. And even if guys are great free throw shooters, it's a little different. So I'm always a big believer in extending the games, especially you know when you're down. Oh, for sure. Well, anyways, all right, we we've delayed it long enough. <laughs> we we got to get into it. Louisville Notre Dame on Wednesday night, and what's become, yeah, you know, they had the Georgia Tech game that they won on um uh, Florida State before that. One two out of three, almost one series. It looked like I don't want to say turned a corner because they had kind of survived the the brunt of the ACC schedule. But it looked like, you know, playing the bottom half of the ACC and what's a bad league this year, especially near the bottom and, and the middle of it, that it was, okay, maybe they'll at least compete in mm-hmm. some of these games for whatever the heck that's worth. I don't, I, I 
kind of made the argument with Jeff Greer last week that I didn't think it was worth too much, but it's still better than what's happened in the Boston College second half and uh, and what happened against uh, Pittsburgh, obviously, and then Notre Dame last night. The biggest thing for me is just kind of what's happened to Louisville's offense. I mean, this is a game where, where you know, Notre Dame's better defensively than offensively, but Sky Clark and Brandon Huntley Hatfield had 34 points in this one, 14 to 24 shooting 54%. Everyone else other than those two dudes were five at 32 from the floor, less than 16% from the field. It took until the 842 mark in the second half for someone other than Clark Huntley Hatfield or Trey white to have a field goal. Mm-hmm. How, how does that happen? And, and, and it, I mean, not well, that Louisville's in spectacular offensively, but they have been better on that end up until this mm-hmm. last stretch. I think there's two things. I think number one is that the way Notre Dame was playing, it wasn't conducive for what Louisville likes to do as far as um, just back you down, yep. power up around the basket. They were playing off players. They were making them shoot mid-range shots. They weren't. They were staying down on pump fakes. They weren't letting Mike James get to a spot he likes, so he's ending up shooting – you know, contested jump shots rather than getting to the rim and using his shoulder and his strength to get fouled. So Notre Dame's plan as far as how to defend everybody, including trapping uh, the bigs and not just the bigs, Mike James, really trapping anybody who got the ball in the, in the low post or in the short corner. So, you know, that was one method of, of, of as far as that goes. And then you have guys like Sky Clark is, you know, you, you had some synergy going with this team. Tyler, the same thing. But when you miss practice, and uh, Coach Payne talked about that, those guys hadn't been practicing. You know, they just played, didn't have any live contact. Now you're you're out of rhythm again because guys have synergy and they're comfortable. And when you miss a game or two or a couple practices, yes, it could affect the symmetry of your team. Yeah, for sure. And I thought to piggyback off that, Notre Dame did a phenomenal job with that post trap, especially you know a lot of times they were trapping off of whoever Caleb Glenn's man was a guy that, you know, gives a lot of effort has been a good rebounder for Louisville of late, but isn't exactly the offensive threat yet. Yeah. They, that, they were going with, they were going with, you know, traditional four man coming that, that was kind of like their idea of it. And, and like yeah. you mentioned, you know, uh, a, a Trey white, if he gets the ball, he can create his own shot. Caleb Glenn can't. So yeah, there was a method to it. Most teams, Virginia will always send their bigs over, you know, and it's always the five and the four who are trapping or whatnot in this type of situation. They did a great job of zoning out. Yes, and that, that was the next thing know, I was going to say. Uh, yeah, take, taking a, away yeah. ball side and really plugging that middle and forcing a skip pass, which is what you really want to do. And we saw where Okora four struggled, you know, the one time he was trapped. And, you know, that's something that, you know, you, you, you constantly work on. But, you know, if you're not sure teams are going to do it and you don't really prep for it, you know, it, it's tough, and guys were just not moving the way that you need to. Someone's got to dive. Someone's got to replace. You want to try and overload that side on the trap. Yeah, and, and they also did a good job of cutting off Louisville's drives because that's really been mm-hmm. – and that's how that's how Louisville gets their points, post-subs, driving with the dribble, and getting to the free throw line. Louisville got to the free throw line 16 times, but they had uncharacteristically bad mm-hmm. – shooting tight from the strike they missed half yeah. of them but when when you're not getting you know the points from the from the free throw line you only had 22 points in the paint because you're not being able to you know dribble drive as as effectively as you normally are mm-hmm. and you're getting post doubled all the time and you're not hitting jump shots on on the back end of it because one Notre Dame's been as you said did a really good job rotating out of those traps and two 
Louisville just hasn't been able to hit the broad side of the barn in the month of February from behind the arc. Or that, you know, leads up to a lot of things that aren't going your way to where you're trying to figure out how to get some points on the board. Because we know Louisville's defense has been particularly awful. We'll get to that. But but on the offensive end, that's kind of where Louisville has to carry itself right now. And the last two games, they they just haven't looked the same on the offensive end that they were looking at in, in mid-January and even a couple games they had at into February. Well, Notre Dame did, number one, they did a really good job of limiting them to one shot. I thought Louisville at times needs to send everybody to the boards. They're as bad as they are transitionally defensively. I mean, it doesn't hurt. Send everybody, send all five guys if you need to get an offensive rebound. And the way Notre Dame was playing, um, you know, I'm big on half an arm's distance or tracing the face and really crowding guys with gap integrity. Notre Dame was just saying, okay, just make some mid-range shots that that are somewhat contested. Go for it. You know, but you're not getting in the paint. You saw the guys, like you said, sloughing off, really packing in, forcing the kickouts, and they would close out and contest. But it was almost like, okay, you're not getting, pay- you know, you're not scoring in the paint. You're gonna have to score mid-range shots. You know, Huntley Hatfield did a nice job um, early, but then again, you know, um, and, and that's another thing. I thought they should have done more um, high-low action where Huntley Hatfield's in the middle of the floor or rolling down the middle because that's a tough area to trap from. And that leaves one-on-one coverage. So roll and replace actions would have been nice as far as against a team like Notre Dame. Yeah, some middle post-ups would have been nice also. That's something that Louisville doesn't really mm-hmm. do. You look at, obviously, it's probably unfair to compare them to uh, to Zach Eady and Purdue, but one of the things that Purdue does so well. Just a, just a tad. Just yeah, a tad. Yeah, yeah, just a tad, but better than literally anyone in the country is that they're able to get Zach Eady in position where, you know, he sets a ball screen, he'll set a cross screen, something like that, but they'll have the floor spread and mm-hmm. post him up right in the middle of the paint to where you really can't double him in that spot right. because, you know, the floor is so space and there's not anyone there. Louisville almost always is posting Huntley Hatfield on, on one of the blocks. And that's a much easier place to double than it is when you post him in, in the middle. Like, like, you know, a Purdue, just to name one team, is able to do so much. Or again, Yeah, but not, that's, yeah. that's all connected. So yeah. if you're not working on the timing of understanding the angles to come off in a slot, off that type of ball screen or the duck-ins where Edie's getting a cross screen, knows to keep both feet in the paint. There's times where Hatfield will, can, you know, won't stop in the lane and, and will, will extend out to the first marker or to off the, off the lane where Edie's taught, I'm staying, I'm getting both feet in the paint. And when I roll, you know, I'm hard rolling, but I know where to stop. I know where to be. And his players do a great job of initiating and beating their man off of a ball screen, ball reversals, some false action to get him in that spot. So Creighton's really good at it as well. So, yeah. You know, that's something as far as understanding, okay, these are the sweet spots. This is where you want to get to. And, you know, that's something that you got to teach because a lot of players will continue to drift. And that two or three inches makes a huge difference. They'll drift as they come off a flex cut or any type of action. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, they're a foot outside the lane. And it just, it's a huge difference in having both feet in the paint. The, the other thing for Louisville on the offensive end, and this kind of goes to like a lack of awareness, I think might be the right word for it because, you know, Huntley Hadfield and Clark were the two dudes that you had going all game. Huntley Hadfield didn't score after the 11:25 mark of the second half. And Sky Clark didn't attempt a shot the last nine minutes, 10 seconds of the game. When those are the two dudes that you got rolling, I, I, I guess I'm using that term pretty liberally because they, they didn't drop like 25 or anything, but those, that was your offense. Those two dudes, 
How do you not try to run some more stuff to get them, especially Sky Clark, who only missed one damn field goal the entire game, which is impressive. I mean, he took eight of them. But but uh, why did Louisville go away from what they were doing? Or, or rather, why did they let Notre Dame take that away so easily? That's a common thing with teams when you get down and they're down double digits and all yeah. of a sudden you're just not going to be as patient because you're trying to get – you're it's it's a mindset for all basketball teams. You're trying to get a nine-point play or a ten-point play, and you're thinking, okay, I come down and shoot a quick three or drive quickly because I want to cut into that lead. So instead of running the stuff that you're patient with that you've actually been successful with, you're rushed and you're impatient. And as a coach, you're kind of helpless because guys are coming down and you don't want to stop it every single time, but they're not getting the ball to the guys who are making plays. And that's, that's normal of teams who are down, especially in the situation that Louisville was. Yeah, and especially, you know, you look at – to me, the key stretch of this game was the under eight timeout. Yeah, I, I forget who it was, mm-hmm. Notre Dame or Louisville. Someone called, you know, the first timeout of the second half, always media timeout. Mm-hmm. And then they play for a for like, you know, 15, 20 seconds, whatever it was. Then they have another dead ball for the under eight timeout. So you have, you know, four and a half, five minutes roughly to instruct your team and, and, and get them on the right page. Out of that under eight timeout, they leave Shrewsbury open off a of baseline out of bounds. For, for a wide open three. Right. Then Shrewsbury hits another three in transition. That sparks a 16-2 run from the under eight to the under four timeout that completely took the game out of reach. Louisville was only down eight at that point. Not that I'm saying that I was guaranteeing they were going to win or anything, but you're very much like in the ball game. And to have that lack of awareness on the defensive end, two possessions in a row, give up two really easy open three-pointers to a dude that was scorching all night from behind the arc, that, to me, is a lack of awareness, lack of focus, lack of executing a game plan. No matter how you want to put it, you can't let that happen. That wasn't the only time either. Louisville gave up two wide-open threes off a of baseline out-of-bounds plays. That's absolutely inexcusable in a game that, you know, you're trying to win. And we're even favored to win in this game. Louisville's favored by three and a half points. I mean, Notre Dame's not a great basketball team. Micah Shrewsbury, you know, getting them to play with effort, especially on the defensive end, and they're trying to lay a foundation. But they, they came to the – into this game 10 and 16 and you got worked both in every facet of the game but to me that that just stood out like okay you had that much time to prepare your team for that baseline out of bounds and you give up a wide open three and then you give up another wide open three the next possession that's just that's not good (laughs) it's just i know there's not really a better way of putting it it's just that's that's not a sign of a program that's getting better to me when you when you give up stuff like that no, um, but that was not something that was unique to the end of the game. That was, yeah. you know, the, the first three threes by Notre Dame, um, there was no ball pressure. Um, one of those was a um, miscommunication where two guys ran towards the ball and they made one more pass to Shrewsbury. And so it wasn't something that was in, uh, okay, all of a sudden we've had a lapse. It was a continual thing throughout that they just, they struggle to identify what teams are trying to do what they want to do. Are we switching? Are we hedging? Are we, are we staying connected? Are we not letting them out? Those are things that they've been struggling with through throughout the season. So um, yeah, Jack, I don't, I don't have an answer as far as that goes, as far as, you know, why they're not connected, why they're not understanding that, why they don't have a sense of urgency. Why don't they have a disposition? I, I can't answer that. Yeah. I mean, I have it charted right here. Notre Dame's first five threes. I mean, the first, Eight points of the game were Shrewsbury step in three off of a bad rotation uh-huh. by pump fake. Shrewsbury open three off a curl with the miscommunication that you talk about. Then Sky Clark 
fouls a shooter on a three. Yes. Gadetsky hits a three mm-hmm. off the simple, off of the baseline out of bounds. The other one to go up seven midway through the first half, a drive and kick to a wide open carry boot for, for a three, all part of a 15 to two run for Notre Dame. The last right. one being the pick and pop where, you know, they pass to the quarter, both guys rotate over, they throw it back to Shrewsbury. I mean, Notre Dame came into this game. They're not a good three point shooting team. Contrary to popular belief, if you only watch Notre Dame on Wednesday night, Notre Dame mm-hmm. came into this game 29.8% from three on the season. That's 328th in college basketball and last in the ACC. They were the worst offensively efficient team, the least offensively efficient team in the ACC coming into this game. And right. Louisville put up a very little resistance to that. To me, just the three-point line has been the story for Louisville here in the month of February. Just yeah. in, in and, the and, line- and as you're going on, that's what I was doing. I was looking yeah. at like uh you know, things I had written down, which are all things that you're talking about. So please continue. In in the last three games, Louisville is 10 of 25 or 10 of 45 from three offensively, 22%. And their opponents, Boston College, Pittsburgh, and Notre Dame, during this three-game losing streak, 44%. In mm-hmm. the month of February, Louisville is shooting 28.6% from three, 310th in the country. And they're allowing opponents to shoot 41% from three. That's 334th. So it's pretty simple. I mean, we can you know break down chart every individual play we want, but they look at the big picture. Louisville has stopped hitting threes because they had that stretch in the middle of January where they were hitting some shots. And on the other end, they're still not defending the three. I mean, we've talked about it all year long. Even, you know, I remember way back with the Texas and the Indiana games, it was, well, you know, those aren't good three-point shooting numbers. I, I think Indiana was one of 11 in that game. Texas was like three of 20 or something. But just look at the amount of wide-open threes that the opponents are missing. That's something that's not going to yeah. continue. And, and that's and, and, and that's you know, that that metronome floats back the other way where Notre Dame's a really bad three-point shooting team. But if you give them 15, 20 open looks, they're going to hit 12 of them. But it's not, you know, it's, it's not that they're a bad three-point defense. It's that they're – you have to look at the macro there and – the, the blow buys that are allowed, the overhelp yep. on drifts, the miscommunication as far as who's going to scramble and rotate and command the ball and so on. So the open threes are coming off of so many other mistakes defensively from a paint touch to, you know, the blow buys to out of position to are we denying, are we overhelping, are we not helping? So all those things are byproducts of the fact that these now they're making the extra pass and here comes an open shot. And that's why their three-point defense is so egregious. Right. I feel like, you know, there's a misconception about that to where people say, oh, you just got to, you know, make sure you're on the perimeter guarding like the three-point line. Like I picture, you know, a guy at the top of the key, two guys on the wings, two guys on the corners, just right. just standing there trying to take away a three-point shot. No, so so much, so often it comes off of other action. I mean, mm-hmm. I would throw pick and roll defense in there as well as a, as a way teams get open threes well, against Wolves. Yeah, that's that's when they do tag the roll, you know, they're, they're, you know, you have to, it's all connected. The guy who, and they've soft doubled so much. So whether you want to scramble and keep that guy high and send them out, fine. If you're going to just say, you know what, bust your ass back down, recover. I'm going to hold for half a second, have high hands on that ball screen. So it buys me half a second to to recover back to the lift man. So he doesn't have an open three. Yeah. But those are things that you have to do. And Louisville's not doing those things. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's how you end up being what 
what what are they now? Eight, eight and eighteen. Going on the season, it's it's rough. Uh, eight, so, and, eight and nineteen. Eight and nineteen. There we go. I was, Three I was and thirteen them. in conference. Yeah, yeah. yeah dead, that's uh, that's dead the optimist in you. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, do you look at it now? There's four games left in the season. You get a week off. And who do you get after the week off? You go to Cameron Indoor to play Duke. That's not exactly the easiest game to have after after what's happened the last the last week no, or so. And it's it's not fun. You know, you go to practice and you, you know you're you're three and thirteen in conference and you you know those type of things. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not fun to get in every day and, and you know to get guys to compete and grind when you've gone through you know a losing streak. I mean, I've I've seen that. I've been a part of that. You know, and that's that's a, that's a hard thing to get these guys to just understand little things when you're a week out and you've had, you know, you, you've had the, the what you've gone through and to get them to just keep going and grind. Yeah, it's not easy. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year. March Madness. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, you can use the bonus code FIELD150 and you will get $150 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's the best part. All you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your hard-earned money. This is how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the BetMGM app and sign up today this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage no matter what stage you're in shopify's there to help you grow Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big news, guys. I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph, a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive 
rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first name basis these days, co-founded Autograph. He had one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your college hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot, the autograph fandom map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. Yeah, but I mean, like after that, though, I mean, we everyone kept looking at those last three home games at the end of the year. Right. Um, Austin College, Syracuse, and and uh, who's the third one? I'm, they I'm got Syracuse, Virginia, uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Tech. That's Boston College. Yeah, yeah. To where it's like, look, I, I'm not gonna, I'm it, not gonna. Does it matter? Not, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna play. Um, you know, I don't want to play that game. But everybody was talking about, well, they're gonna get healthy when they have to Paul, Arkansas State, and Pepperdine. Yeah, you know, they go one and two. So. You know, you just don't know, you know, after the Duke game, um, a guy like Sky Clark because of his rib injury and some other things, you don't know, hey, my, my body's not right. You, know, you just never know what's yeah. going to happen with some of these guys. And, and you have to credit Sky Clark. I feel like it is worth saying the dude played oh, sure. a broken rib on Wednesday night and was probably Louisville's best player. I mean, you know, shot the ball up from the field, was even Louisville's re- leading rebounder as as, you know, a guard with eight eight boards in that game. So, you, right. you, you got to give him credit there for just finding yeah, his tail off yeah, and hanging he in competed, there. Yeah. He competed, made some shots. Of course, I'm going to just, in the coach and me, you know, there's lapses. You know, he wouldn't pressure the basketball. Yep. <laughs> he, 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 was, he was lost on certain actions. But he's also trying to protect himself, you know. Is that an excuse? I, I'm not making excuses for him, but you know, um, he was able to score the ball, which is a credit to him, especially playing with a broken rib, which is I'm sure we couldn't do a podcast with a broken no. rib. So, you know, <laughs> kudos to him. Very low chance, but it's the point being like at this point, I, I just don't think it matters. Like, even if they were to win those last three games, which at what what we've seen the last couple of weeks or so, they probably won't win all three of those games at home. Um, matters as far as like a year with, three or, okay. or trying to move on stuff like that like like would it's, does it make any difference if they're eight and 23 or 10 and 21 no to me like yeah i mean at this point with you know with those games that are left um you know it's it's really not um going to all of a sudden you know change you're not going to see uh, an, an absolute 180 in, in how yeah. they do things and how they guard in four games. Just not the sample size is kind of, we've seen it. We know who they are. Yeah, that, that was one of the things, like I was listening just uh, on, on the drive back from Tuscaloosa on Wednesday night. You know, I was listening a little bit to, uh, you know, our guy Ethan Moore on the postgame show. It, it's crazy to me. Like, I've always said this about both Louisville and Kentucky fans. Like I remember I was producing back for – um for uh, ESPN Louisville, a lot of the UK post game shows the year they mm-hmm. went nine and 16. How 
it's impressive how mad those two fan bases can stay at their teams when they know the season is already a lost cause. <laughs> but for me, there were people called in and, and, and saying, this is the last straw. This is the one where you got to fire Kenny after this. I'm like, why, why is it the random game in February against Notre Dame? That's the last straw. I mean, mm-hmm. I just don't see how it's, it's been the same stuff we've been seeing for two years and it's a tough thing for us to talk about at this point, but because as yeah, it feels and- like just a foregone conclusion, but I mean, Kenny comes out and says the quote saying, you know, he doesn't feel like he, his job's in danger. And like, yeah, I, I, he doesn't seem to have the sense of urgency, which I guess to be fair, like what else is he supposed to say in that spot when you're being asked that question? But it, it it's just a weird Weird dynamic at this point to where it's like people trying to use every game win or loss as a referendum on the job. I'm like, guys, you have the track record. It's 12 and 45. Not every game is going to be this seismic change one way or the other if they win or lose, especially you know, those three home games. at 47, at the end of the year. Not, yeah. not, not trying to pick on Coach Payne. 12 and 47, what? yes. <laughs> You got to keep up. I got to keep updating in my head every after every game. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's where that's where they're at at this point. But but I just at this point, if you're Josh Hurd, you're kind of letting the string play out. You're not. I mean, you haven't fired him to this point, so they're not going. I'm pretty confident in the fact that they're not going to make a midseason change at this stage with, you know, four games left in the regular season. But Mm -hmm. but I mean, just. I don't even know where I'm going with this, to be honest. Just, it's just a yeah, referendum well, on. Yeah, on, the, yeah. These last four games are not going to all of a sudden be an elixir, and all of a sudden everything has changed in, in his favor. It's, you know, it, it it it's it's evident that you know Coach Payne is is it's been a struggle for him, and uh, you know I'm sure Coach Co, uh, you know excuse me Josh Hurd's you know doing his due diligence and and. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate because this fan base um, deserves, you know, a team that just is competing for not just the NCAA tournament, but for national championships. And so, you know, it's uh, – and you mentioned it, you know, about um, listening to Ethan Moore. And, you know, I'm doing radio shows here still on on, on 93.9 and 680 in Louisville. And, and, you know, it's apathy. There's The callers are just – it's not like the phones are lit up and everybody wants to – to vent it's kind of like okay um this is what it is and we want improvement now and yeah. so i think they just got to realize you know it's um something will probably happen right after the season yeah that, and that's the worst place to be was when you get that apathy because you know you're used to everyone being really really angry and i, I thought you got a good amount of that after the notre dame game things kind of flared up a bit but i mean pittsburgh you didn't really see too much of that same with, with Boston it, it flared up with Notre yeah. Dame but again not to the point where uh, you know you had some yeah. and and I heard some callers on Ethan's show as well but again it's not like the numbers that were um even speaking to Spencer Brown like he, you know the numbers yeah. had dwindled as far as the calls and all those type of things yeah. now Kentucky yeah they're a little <laughs> different story so. that was that was one of the crazier endings on Wednesday night that Kentucky game. that's all I saw yeah. was the it was the ending yeah. that's all I saw that's pretty so. much all I saw too which um that was that was a great one town in Baton Rouge did you catch any of the UConn Creighton game on Tuesday uh, I I didn't yeah. um this is uh been been way too busy with certain things and that's the night that i had my daughter with me and we played some pickleball and nice. i ended up watching uh we ended up watching the kids baking championship on max so <laughs> i recommend that to everybody um 
but for me, that's probably one of the first Connecticut games I've missed. Um, you know, their associate head coach, Kamani Young, is one of my best friends. So, nice. um, uh, you know, we talk all the time. We work together at FIU. Um, but, you know, I, I still think they're the cream of the crop. Yeah. So for me, you know, if you were going to say, okay, you know, you have to decide right now, I'd say UConn's going to win it. First of all, what, what was the, um, what was the best baking dish that was made? Well, there's so many. So they, they challenges. Let me tell you something, Jack. Here's the thing. It's a, it's a show for kids. You got Valerie Bertinelli and a guy named Duffy Goldman, but they send a kid home every week. And the kid's like in the kitchen crying sometimes because he can't get the, you know, the cake to, to bake or, right. or whatever. And then when they send the kid home, the kid's, you know, crying and everything. To me, it's very emotional. I, I just, I don't know. It's not, it's not for the faint of heart. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> that's fair. That, that, that's very fair. On you, kind of like, I, I'm not too worried about them. I mean, like, Creighton just had one of those games. Like, at one point, they hit 19. They're good. Out, yeah, They're they good. hit, they, they had hit They're 19 really out of 26 field yeah. goals at one point. I mean, exactly. Ashcraft had the game of his life. I mean, he gives them a little bit of different dimension when he's able to score like that because they've really been uh-huh. missing that ever since Nemhard uh, transferred yeah. out to Gonzaga. Just that guy yeah. that can beat you off the dribble and create his own shot. Exactly. And, and when and when he's able to do that, that makes them a much, much, much more difficult team to defend. I mean, like you got to be like they absolutely blasted Marquette last weekend. They're fine. They're great. They are. They're, they're a lot of fun to watch. They're watch. on the road. They're in conference. You know, you're everybody's Kansas City Chiefs right now. So. That's the way it goes. That's college basketball, you know? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The year, my last year here, when we went to the Final Four, we lost our last home game on senior night to South Florida, you know? And, yep. you know, so, like, those things, it's just, there's there's hiccups along the way, you know? Um, but Connecticut's just fine. What was the, um, uh, I know there, there was the South Florida loss that was, like, 59 to 52, I think it was. Then the next game, you guys lost at Syracuse. To end mm-hmm. the regular season, where, you, where I think right. you only scored like, like I, I don't know, I don't know if you guys broke fifty on that one. What, what was the change between that and the Big East tournament, where you guys ripped off, you know, ten in a row, win the Big East, and then go to the Final Four? Uh, you know, looking back on it, I mean, you know, attention to details too. I mean, Richard Bettino, um, you know, uh, was just a, a, a huge factor in understanding, you know, just because he has the last name. And I don't know if you caught, I stayed up and watched New Mexico and Colorado state last night, but just because his last name is Patino, the, the guy's a worker. The guy really puts time in. We would really look at ways to attack. He learned that from Billy Donovan too, is that, you know, a lot of times in scouting Jack is that everybody's looking for what teams run. We want to take this away. We want to track this or do that. When Billy Donovan was really big on, okay, how are we attacking them? 
and what's the best way to score against them. So we spent a lot of time moving forward on ways to, 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 to improve our offense by looking at the weaknesses of the teams we were playing. Yeah, I feel that. And and on the defensive end, that, that defense was always going to keep you guys in. Uh, we'll leave, leave that to, to, to Rick. Yeah, we'll just, we'll be fine there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I figured that that was probably that, that week or so stretch before the Big East tournament started. It was probably, a doozy. Probably not the best of times to be yes. around the program, but man, that what a heck of a run that was, especially you know, that Florida game against Billy Donovan, where, where well, I, I'll ask this. I know we got to get out of here, but I'll always remember. Peyton Siva fouls out when when you guys are making the run run in those last eight minutes. He fouls out going into the under four timeout, and Rick goes over to the bench and he just puts his hands on his head <laughs> like if you're watching it like this. And I'm like, oh man, I can only imagine what he's gonna say the next two three minutes in that huddle. But they but I mean, Russ Smith came in, plays the point the rest of the game. They force a couple turnovers. Shane Behannon was was huge at. Down mm-hmm. that stretch, this is a lot more makes fun that, for like, me than, than looking yeah, at the current makes team. that <laughs> makes that times, that yeah. incredible like uh, turnaround jump shot that like you know it was like no 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 yes you know one of those and yeah Gorgie Gorgie had a huge stun I think it was might have been Kenny Boykin um, uh, coming down the lane but he sw- or even Bradley Beal but he swipes and stunts and and causes a, a loose ball and 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 I think Russ came up with that one so you know just little things we did defensively and just. Uh, yeah, we were really attacking, and it was just that game was a blast. But you know, um, yeah, uh, uh, trust me, there's a bunch of things that that I, I my memoir, my book on the Rick Pitinoisms can come out that would be enjoyable for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll leave it at this. I remember that game as being the only game during like the Peyton Russ Smith era that I can remember where a team actually was able to shoot you guys out of the out of the matchup zone, which Florida did in that first half, and I, I don't think they hit a three. In the second half, or maybe it was like one or one or two of like twelve or something like that. Well, well, there's your perfect example because that's what Billy looked at ways to attack that that matchup, and they did a really good job of overloads and running some shallow cuts and getting guys open. And then when we switched to man, it was a little different, but like that was what he did very well. Yeah, which always always a. Still weird to say that that was 12 years ago already. Um, but, yes. but I mean, that was one of the epic runs, obviously, in, in Louisville basketball history. That's all we got for today. Coach, really always appreciate the time. We'll get going again next week. For Coach Lieberman, I'm Jack Grossman. This has been Floyd Street's Finest. Again, catch us on you know, Field of 68 Podcast Network, Twitter, YouTube, um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. Also, I believe, Coach, we're uh, we're airing this on the Sunday Morning Hangover right now. Or, or, or on oh. Sunday this week as well on ESPN 68. Right. Well, no, Phil, definitely. Phil's, Phil's got the new kiddo. Uh, yeah. Nick, I think he's traveling the women's team, so we're gonna be uh, on 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 the old AM stick this this, this Sunday as well, reading right. as well. We so go. so appreciate you guys wanting us do that. And coach, again, always appreciate the time. We'll catch you next week here on Four Treats Finest. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming. And his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.